Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back, boils and ghouls, ladies and germs, talking to our fans nationwide and worldwide. Once again, it's Wednesday. It's the middle of the week, so you know what time it is. Talking terror time. Welcoming you back to the show where it is the Mad Monkeys pick this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 1987 film The Running Man, directed by Paul Michael Glazer and starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Unfortunately, at the beginning of the week, I thought we were going to actually be learning how to do The Running Man, but uh, so I took a lot of time to do that. Still can't do it, but I did get the movie in. As always, I'm your old pal, King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this show. And as always, I am joined by the bold, the beautiful, Ghoul Geek Keith. Did you cabbage patch like a motherfucker? What is going on, everybody? Did the Batusi, I did it all. Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, How are you? The, did you floss? That, that is the question. Did you floss? I tried to, couldn't do it, threw my back out, so I just set it the pop and lock instead. Oh, like Turbo and Ozone. Very cool. Oh, oh man, breaking fucking electric boogaloo style, huh? Damn right. Got to represent the streets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How have you been, Joel? I am well, thank you. You know, another day. I'm here. I've had all kinds of fun this weekend, and uh, oh, I know the weekend's past, but you know what I'm saying. I, I had a good time, man. Yeah, indeed I do. And we are going to get into that. And also, we're also joined by the Mad Monkey himself. It's a film pick this week, so he's really excited, banging on his cage. Let's let him out. Monkey, darling. Who loves you and who do you love? That's right, your lovable, sensual, simian sex guy. Talking Terror's Mad Monkey. One-fourth of the soon-to-be most listened to horror podcast in the world. This week we've got thrills, we've got chills, and it's all coming to you live on Talking Terror. Yes! Uh, I thought Captain Freedom was doing your intro for a second. (laughs) What's up, son? It's the, only way, it's the only way Jesse ever won a title. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Jesse. We'll get into that, Captain Freedom. <laughs> but Thermite also paste, joined, boys. Uh, Thermite paste. <laughs> we are also joined by the storm-weary demonic doctor himself. We hope he can hang out for this show. Uh, welcome, Doc. I am here. It is... Storm weary and just just because I I need the monkey to understand the importance of attendance, I am doing the show from my car this evening. We have the the demonic doctor broadcasting to us live from the Talking Terror Hurricane Storm Center. Doc, how are you doing over there? I'm wet. The night was wet. Well, that's Ooh. just a good night. Jealous <laughs> more. 
The night, the night was windy. So windy was wet. Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's the question. <laughs> moist. Yeah. Are you moist? Are you moist right now, Doc? The night was sultry. Oh, it's sultry. palpable out there right now in California. Very palpable. Seriously, the hurricane storm center. We all hope you're doing well, Doc. Um, <laughs> thank you for making it. But seriously, stay safe. I will stay scared. I will stay scared, everyone. You stay scared <laughs> and stay wet. That should be our new slogan. Stay scared, stay wet. Talking terror. It's the show that makes you moist. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you moist, wet, and windy. <laughs> Yucky monkey. How is my audible coming through from uh, a technical standpoint? Does my did things sound okay from my side? Uh, you sound shitty like always, man. Sounds like a call from a car. <laughs> it's out five, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. In all well and good. Uh, so before we kick it off to the demonic doctor for some horror news, Ghoul, you got off your couch. You went to a premiere, abducted, theater of terror. How did it go? What was that experience like? You say it like I don't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> it just happened to be that fucking particular moment, man. You know, we were we were pretty exhausted. Friday night we had gone to see the Lion King in the city, and uh, and yeah, so Saturday we were tittering around a little bit, but. Uh, Yes, this this Saturday evening was the Theater of Terrors uh, full premiere of their anthology film called, as such, the Theater of Terror, in which the uh, the third section of that film, Abducted, was filmed here at our home and on our property, and also featuring none other than the Ghoul um, in there as uh, as Barney Hill. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, they, uh, Thomas Ryan, the director, they, they'd gotten everything together at this big theater up in, uh, Jersey City called the Land, the Lowe's Landmark or the Landmark Lowe's Theater. It's this beautiful old building. It's, you know, it's getting restored. Um, you know, they do all kinds of events and films and screenings there. Actually, I can't wait to now keep track of this place because, you know, they've, they've screened Halloween there. They've screened all kinds of, like, cool stuff. And uh, Vertigo is actually playing in, like, a week or two. So that's a, that's a possible run out to go see. Um, but, uh, but yes, yeah, so back to the, to the film itself. Uh, the, the, film, the film premiered. Uh, this is the first time I've ever seen it in its entirety. The only thing I've seen up until this point was the one that, that was done here, um, and that was at a screening at Cafe Z. Um, this time, this was the whole entire thing with its full wraparound story and everything, and I am proud to say I was a part of this. This movie came out great. Um, it is a solid anthology uh, with each part, you know, strengthening and it's and it's filmmaking and, and everything about it. Um, the stories just get better and better. As you know, I always feel like you know, you start off with your weaker stories, you end on your strongest note. Um, and, and yeah, it was a, it was a great time. Red carpet, pictures, people all over the place. The theater, you know, had a ton of people in it. Um, it was a gigantic screen. I uh, didn't realize how big the screen was. 
And, you know, when we saw the section that said reserved, we assumed, like, that was for us, you know, people, the cast and crew to sit in. Um, unfortunately, it was a case in which you're stuck there now looking up at this gigantic screen. I mean, it's a really big screen in this theater. It's like a, if you count in the seats in the upper area, it's like a 3,000-seat uh, theater. Um mm. And, and, yeah, you know, so there's pictures up on, uh, you know, some on the Instagram, some on Facebook. Uh, as soon as the red carpet pictures start coming in, I got to get some of those out there. Um, if you want a copy of the film, you can go to theateroftterror.net. That is theater, uh, T-H-E-A-T-R-E, of terror.net. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's available to, to, to purchase now, DVD or Blu-ray. Excellent, excellent. No, we we're glad that you went, you know, and got to experience that because you and I have been in a couple movies together uh, independently, and I don't think we've ever made it to one of our premieres. They've had premieres from movies that we've been in, and we haven't made a single one, so it was cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's also depending on what, what the films are and where they are and what our roles were. I mean, this is the first time I've ever been in something with, like, a full speaking part. You know, oh, yeah. and actually being, you know, a, a fairly important part of the plot as well, which was uh, was mm-hmm. quite the experience. It's great. That's what I said. It's great that you got to go out there supporting indie horror as always. You know, it was great to see the pictures, uh, some of the videos that you sent us via the uh, messenger. Very cool. And so I'm looking forward to getting my own copy of Theater Terror DVD to add to my collection. It's a, a worthwhile addition, especially if you love indie horror. Well, well worth it. It was it was really good. Uh, and again, it's uh, Thomas Ryan has come a long way as far as his uh, his filmmaking and his storytelling and mm. his his DP uh, and cinematographer on Abducted and uh, and Endangered, which were the uh, the second, uh, the third and fourth ones, is you know this guy Louis Libitz, and he is fantastic. Oh, yeah. um, you know, again, all, all four parts and the wraparound are great, but, you know, like the, the things that stand out to me, you know, I just, uh, those those two just looked fantastic. And he is a hell of a guy, that Thomas Ryan. We've had him on the show before, years ago, uh, you know, and, and good friends with him. You know, he's quite the personality. So it's good that you were Such a handsome fellow. He really is. <laughs> he's the son of a gun. Got to give it to him that way. He's like but, the Apollo. He's like the Apollo Creed of independent filmmaking. You know, young people love you. Old people love you. Everybody. Everybody. Uh, so before the doc blows away in the storm, I wanted to get some horror news out of the way. Uh, doc, do you have anything for us tonight? He will blow away. Let's have it. All right. So I feel like I just want to get this out of the way. Right now, uh, you posted about this yesterday. There's Ghostbusters and news. There's Jason Jason Reitman. I'm going yep. to assume that you have this on your agenda too. But I feel like yep. we need to take this from the top and 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 discuss this uh, right from the get go. Um, Who are you going to call? But uh, not this show apparently. Somebody <laughs> call us, goddammit. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Apparently, uh, this Jason Reitman Ghostbusters 3 is going to be a direct sequel to the original Ghostbusters 2, take place in that universe, take place in modern times, uh, that the original universe 
there has been no news on any type of casting, uh, no news of any of the original cast taking part, but Jason Reitman did talk about, um, you know, excitement about new characters that will be introduced. And they released a teaser today, too, on top of that news. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. any teaser. I know it had something to do with the, the old vehicle being unveiled or some shit. Um, but that yeah. really is what I think of this whole thing is shit. Um, I think <laughs> that this is unnecessary. I feel yeah. that uh, this is an absolute waste of time and effort on, any, on everyone's part. I think that this is going to be a total bomb. Uh, I feel that given that the female-led Ghostbusters might have turned a profit, uh, it wasn't the global smashing blockbuster they were anticipating, so much so that all plans for any continuation of that story are eliminated. Uh, I think that this reeks of desperation. I feel that Dan Aykroyd, if he's involved in this in any way, with any writing or whatnot, it reeks of desperation. Uh, I feel that the time has passed and I have zero interest in this at all. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Ghoul, what do you think? New news, 2020, uh, summer? We're going to be getting a new Ghostbusters. It's, it's in cement now. It's happening. You know, what are your thoughts? I have absolutely no problem with it whatsoever. I mean, an updated Ghostbusters that is taking place in modern day while staying respectful to its source material, it's a continuation, not what they tried to do with the all-female cast-driven Ghostbusters... Uh, whatever, if that turned a profit, it turned a profit. The fact of the matter is, it was fucking bullshit, okay? If they wanted to really make that movie work, then they should have let those girls do what they could do, give them the proper fucking writing for it, and make it a funny fucking movie, but they did not. Um, you know, whatever. If people went out there to show support for girl power, this and that, they want to say that it was good. Look, did it have some good parts? Yes. I'm a huge Melissa McCarthy fan. I was fucking excited that she was going to be in that movie movie, and so much of that fucking film fell flat, and the fact that they decided that rather than, you know, take into account that the Ghostbusters happened, you know, that those two films occurred, no, they decided like, hey, no, poof, none of that ever occurred, these girls are going to be paranormal fucking, you know, investigators in modern time, I prefer this route much, much more, and if there's original cast involved with it, all the more, well, the more better. I know nothing's been announced with that yet, but I am sure they will be. Mm-hmm. And it is of note that I'll ask Gurney uh, Hudson. Not... He's going to be at the NJ Horror. Con, yeah. So ask him. <laughs> but uh, it isn't going to be based <laughs> off of Dan Aykroyd's script. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not going to be based off of Dan Aykroyd's script. Uh, Jason Reitman is co-writing it with somebody else, so it's not going to be based it's off fine. anything that Dan's contributing, which is fine. Um, but, uh, Monkey, what do you think? Ghostbusters 3, you ready to strap on the Proton Pack once more? Uh, I don't know. Like, if a bunch of women say they don't like this movie, does that make them sexist? If it's an all-male yes. cast? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's like me, I, I I'm, can go either way. It's like, because on one side, like, I'm not in, interested, like the doc says, because, you He's know, it has to wait. It, yes, I am on this issue. Um, because I really do like the original Ghostbusters. I love the original cartoon. And, you know, again, like the ghoul is saying here, if they stick to the original properties and try and tap off of that and actually try and give a tried and true continuation of the story, you know, then I can see it working. But at the same time, 
you know, and I'm also curious about how it's going to work with, you know, modern CGI, you know, is it, is it going to, I just feel like, you know, my only problem is, again, we were, we're so spoiled by CGI, we're just not going to appreciate the special effects like we did when the first two movies first came out. And, you know, I just don't think it's going to wow us like it did back in the day. That's a good point to make. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with the with the doc on it, where, you know, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I kind of side with the, the ghoul, too, where it's like, cool, we're getting another Ghostbusters movie. That's great. But at the same time, it's not needed. It's not necessary. I don't feel like I've ever said, you know what, time to make another one, boys. That time's passed. I mean, it's been years. Harold Ramis isn't with us anymore. That's a big hit, too. The fact yeah. that Egon is not going to be in this movie. So it's not a huge blow. I'm sure they could work their way around it. But at the same time, you have plenty of time to make another one. And he did. But, so, the, mo- yeah. but the most important thing, though, is if they do this, are they bringing back Extra Cooler again? I hope so. <laughs> of course. That's the one benefit. <laughs> yeah. Bring back that Ecto Cooler. I'm on board with that all the way. Um, but let's see what happens. I mean, I was surprised by how quickly the events turned out. With one night you're getting the announcement, the next night you're getting a teaser. You know, they are well, fully on board. Been, well, hold on. He's been working on this for a while. He's been in development for a couple of months. It was under the code name Rust City. Okay. Um, so it's not like this is just all, you know, boom, 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 here it is. You know, this is somehow in this day and age he was able to keep this shit under wraps, which is which is yeah. nice. It is kind of cool that he was able to keep I didn't know that. That's kind of a cool tidbit. And at the same time, I'm a fan of Ghostbusters 2 as well. So I may be one of the few, but I definitely did like that sequel. It's not as bad if as I got to us, we got to take control. Come on, come on, come on. Let's go put that in control now. But yeah. Such a great soundtrack. Statue with No, it's just too hot to handle. It's too cold to hold, okay? You call the Ghostbusters because they're in control. It's trying to throw a party for a bunch of children while slime is under the building. I know. I know. I was there. (laughs) It was such a good And plus, we got that great video game. So, we'll see what happens. I mean, is it going to change the game in terms of Ghostbusters? Probably not. But at the same time, it'll be fun. I can't wait to see what they turn out. You know, Bill Murray's going to be the big holdout, I'm sure. He's going to be the one saying, nope, not doing it, guys. Said it for years. Don't want to do another Ghostbusters, but money talks. He did Ghostbusters but, to answer the call. Pretty sure he'll yeah, get Yeah, but again, if, if it's written right, they don't need him. You know, if it's written right, they can work around him. Well, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I would hope that, you know... Yes, none of it's been announced yet, but I would hope he's already been speaking to and has gotten at least verbal acceptance from them that they would be involved with it. <clears throat> yeah, you know, we'll see what, what turns out with Murray. I'm sure that Ernie Hudson's going to be on board. I'm sure that Ackroyd's already sitting in the XO one going, come on, guys, come on, let's film, let's film. I'm sure he's ready to go. <laughs> you know, so we'll see what new cast they bring up. Um, so, okay, Doc, what else do you have for us aside from the You can always bring in Lucas <laughs> from Stranger Things. We could do that. Sure. Sure, you'll bring it up. All right, Doc. Uh, this next piece of information might be of interest to the king of horror and no one else on planet Earth, 
but okay. an author named Brian, <laughs> named, an author named Bryn Kurt James Hammond huh. will be publishing later this year a book entitled The Complete History of Amityville Horror that will be a analysis of every film in the Amityville Horror series that are related to the original Amityville Horror movie. So all of these, because I, I, I guess anybody out there can make an Amityville, use the name Amityville in a movie uh, yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, this book will be focused on just those that have relation uh, to the original movie and the original book. Um, and uh, this will be a version of a book that he put out last year that was called The Complete History of the Howling, uh, which was a full analysis of the eight Howling films. So I thought this piece of news was interesting uh, because the King of Horror loves Amityville so much. Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, take my money now. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I cannot wait to add this book to my collection. You know, I'm all things Amityville. I love it to death. All the sequels, all the movies. Yeah, take my money now. I'm already buying this book. <laughs> I mean... Does you know when it's going to be released for later this year? Uh, I did not see an official release date in that, uh, but I believe it should be coming out sometime later this year. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know if I'm the only one. I mean, I'm sure you guys have an appreciation for Amityville as well. I mean, maybe not as much as me, but um, it's a good series. I'll, I'll, I'll take a hard pass on anything related to Amityville. I'm sorry, man. Uh, no, no. Well, you no. don't like ghosts. That's your problem, Monkey. You just don't like ghost movies. <laughs> I just don't believe in the ghosts there. I, I enjoyed the part of the, the story in which the son went and killed a bunch of his family members, and you know I'd really love to know why he really did that. I know his answers changed multiple times, so oh my god, yeah. That, that yeah. I find more interesting than than anything to do with any ghosts because yeah, I just feel like that was yes. Yeah, it just depends on the day that Ronnie DeFeo was feeling. What his uh, excuse was going to be? It was demons. I decided I didn't like them anymore. It was money. It just depends. You ask Ronnie on any given day why he killed his family. It's just whatever. You know, maybe it was a ghost. Maybe I just did it because I wanted to. We'll never know, which I think is the interesting thing. We'll never really understand what happened in that house that make him crack the way that he did. But a lot of outside forces, I'm sure. But a book based on all those movies? Great. I mean, because there's a plethora of Amityville films, including one that's coming out this year called The Amityville Murder, directed by wait. Daniel Farron. Can't wait to not or watch the new one. I'm excited. I loved Amityville The Awakening. I thought that was a great film. But then again, my tastes are a lot weirder than other people's, because I know a lot of people trashed that movie when it came out. Nope, I liked it. A lot more. <laughs> Right. Okay, now my question, no, and this is a serious question, because I know I make fun of this stuff, but this is a serious question. Uh, you know, you might have really liked it, but your adjective, would you really categorize it as a great film? Yes, I would. I thought it was a great film. Wow. <laughs> okay. Compared to, like, Amityville 3D or Amityville The Dollhouse, <laughs> like, you know, the other sequels that came out, yeah. It was definitely a great film that really had the heart of the original Amityville horror. You know, a lot of CGI, unfortunately, but at the same time, the story was actually really well done. And plus it had Kurtwood Smith. I mean, come on. I'll watch anything with Kurtwood Smith. Is that the kid from uh, Dawson's Creek? 
No, that's Red from that 70s show. And also from RoboCop. Uh, yes, 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 yes. My bad. <laughs> yeah, I think you're thinking of Curse Me. So, you need to be a mistake. Yes, Curse Me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Doc, what else do you have for us tonight? Uh, staying in the literary world, uh, none other than the creator of Hannibal Lecter, Thomas Harris, has his new book coming out, uh, which will be coming out sometime in May. Uh, his new book is called Carrie Mora. Uh, this, and this next fact was very surprising to me. This is only his sixth book, uh, and it's not necessarily going to be a horror story per se, but from what I'm reading, uh, it will be a story of evil, greed, and the consequences of dark obsession. And that's all I know about that right now. But, uh, you know, Thomas Harris has crafted one of the most legendary stories in the realm. So I thought that due notice was worth sharing his new upcoming work. Yeah, I appreciate Thomas Harris. I'm looking forward to checking that out. Um, you know, it's not another Hannibal book, so I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do outside of the lecture world. Um, so it should be a good time. I mean, I'm a literary guy. I mean, any new book that kind of has some kind of flair to it, I'm going to buy. So that sounds like it's right up my alley. So definitely have to be checking that out when it gets released. Now, I know we occasionally cover nerd stuff as well on here for horror and nerd news. And, hey, guess what? I found another show for the ghoul to watch because <laughs> the pilot of a new show that premiered on Sci-Fi on December 30th, all right, um, the series premiere is happening tonight on Sci-Fi, and it's a fun show. I watched the pilot. I really dug it. Um, it's called Deadly Class. And okay. It, it's a fun little TV show that takes place in the 80s that's kind of like a Xavier school for gifted children, but they're all being trained to be assassins. And it's got a kick-ass... It's got a kick-ass 80s alternative music soundtrack. I really, really dig it. I had a lot of fun with the pilot episode, and I'm really looking forward to this show as it unrolls on sci-fi. Okay. I will uh, I'll take a gander at it. Well, we'll see, because the ghoul's plate is usually always filled with TV. So. I, I know. But, but the premiere is happening right now, tonight, on sci-fi. But still, okay. keep okay, listening so to our I'll, show. I'll get off the air right now and go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I'll pop and go watch it, yeah. Because, you know, you have to fit in more TV time. <laughs> but I know the trailer did feature drummer Amos Anything Anything, which is one of my favorite songs. So I was like, okay, all right. You know, it's got a good soundtrack. But, yeah, I don't know if I'd watch that show because it's not for me. I don't like that type of fantasy stuff. Um, the soundtrack is cool. I'll give it that. But, so if anybody interested, it's called Deadly Class. On sci-fi? Dead, Deadly Class. It's got Benedict Wong in it that, hey, plays Wong in the Doctor Strange movies. Um, and also has a recurring guest appearance by Henry Rollins as one of the teachers in the school. Well, that's fun. It's always good to see Henry Rollins show up. Where he's not beating somebody up. That's always good. All right. Uh, so, Doc, uh, what else do you have for us? Well, just because he's a teacher uh, doesn't mean he's not beating anybody up. This is the piece of news this week that I am most excited about. Uh, I have talked about on the show how when it comes to 
uh, both film and books. Uh, you know, my introduction into the world of horror uh, very much has uh, Stephen King's fingerprints all over that. Right. And when it comes to film, and we did talk about this, we had an episode about this long ago, about the, the earliest horror films that we saw that uh, had an impact on us. And mm-hmm. one of the films that, that I brought to that episode that had such an effect on me is Creepshow. And, right. uh, you know, one of my all-time favorites, one that brought me into horror when I was very young, and uh, as far as Stephen King is concerned, I've talked about how I started reading re- Stephen King at a very young age, at an age where maybe I didn't really understand the uh, majority of what I was reading, but, but was reading it anyway. And one of the early Stephen, or one of the books that I was reading very early uh, from Stephen King was his anthology collection called Skeleton Key. Uh, Skeleton Crew, I apologize, Skeleton Crew. Yeah. Um, I, mm-hmm. I still have, I still have my first edition Skeleton Crew book that uh, belonged to my parents, and inside uh, the Skeleton Crew, my um, my all-time favorite Stephen King short story is called Survivor Type, and uh, in Survivor Type, there's a man, and it's been it's been a long time since I've read the story, so forgive me on the details, but uh, in Survivor Type, a a man is stranded on a desert island, and uh, with no uh, help in sight and time passing off and uh, passing by and no uh, no food source, has mm-hmm. to resort to amputating parts of his own body and eating them. Uh, hence, survivor type. Uh, I, I learned today that the Shutter Network, which I'm not a subscriber to, uh, is working on a uh, a television an anthology television series called Creepshow. And in the Creepshow anthology TV series for Shudder, each episode is going to feature two different stories. And Mm -hmm. I do not know if it is the debut, uh, but Greg Nicotero is writing and directing an episode of Stephen King's Survivor Type uh, for the Shudder Creepshow series. Uh, bringing both of my worlds uh, that brought me into horror on a collision course that I'm very excited about. That's pretty intense. I did not know that. That's pretty intense of a story. So uh, that's going to be one of them. That's exciting. I mean, is uh, Skeleton Crew, is that the same anthology that has the story about the kid that's up the classroom? Or is that a different one? Uh, I would need a title about it, man. Uh, no, I, no, no, in, no. In the, the one that has the one that has the kid that shot the classroom was uh, the the rage, or it's called Rage, and that yes, was in yes. that was under the rich that was under the Richard Bachman books. Oh, interesting, because we're going to be talking about Richard Bachman later tonight. All right, so yes, we are. Um, <laughs> there was the other one too about I think it was the tiger that was in the the one school that was going around and killing people. I don't know if that was skeleton crew, but that would be a great one to bring to life on the screen. I think. I can't remember if that was Skeleton Skeleton Crew, the one that had the rat bat in it. I think I'm 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 not sure, but I can give you I I can give you a quick rundown right here as well. Wasn't Monkey Uh, Shine in that one? The monkey. 
It was yeah, but in the in the in the in the book, it was it, the title of, was the monkey. Um, okay. The the skeleton crew had the mist. Uh, here there be tigers. The monkey. That's the Kane one. Up. Uh, Mrs. Todd shortcut the jaunt to the wedding gig. Paranoid a chant. The raft word processor of the gods. The man who would not shake hands. Beach world. The reaper's image. Nona for Owen. Survivor type. Uncle Otto's truck. Uh, morning deliveries, milk dam number one, big wheels, a tale of the laundry game, grandma, the ballad of the flexible bullet, and the reach. Okay, around. So, and a lot of those <laughs> yeah. stories, a lot of a lot of those stories had previously been published in different places, in magazines and whatever. Uh, but these stories, for the first time, were collected as a uh, as one collection uh, for Skeleton Crew, uh, original pub- originally published in 1985. Mm-hmm. And I know uh, Word Processor of the Gods was a Tales from the Dark Side episode with Bruce Davison from the original run. I think it was season two. Uh, great episode uh, with Bruce Davison featured. Uh, so I know that was me. But Here There Be Tigers, that's the story I was thinking of. The one about the tiger that's in the classroom mauling people to death. I think that would be a great story to see brought onto the screen TV-wise. So I'm hoping Creepshow is the place where they could bring a lot of those Stephen yeah. King shorts to life. Yes, very exciting. Also of note, in uh, in Skeleton Crew, uh, the monkey brought up the monkey. How how ironic! Uh, but also uh, has has the raft, which was featured as an episode in Creepshow Two. That's right. Uh, yes. As and also um, and the mist. The first story in the book is the mist, uh, which yeah. uh, you know was a feature film in 2007. Which the movie had the darker ending, which I appreciated because the, the book version had the happier ending. So I was kind of glad the movie version decided to go completely dark because I felt like that was the way to end that, that movie with Thomas Jane killing everybody in that car rather than mm-hmm. driving off. I just love not happy endings when it comes to horror movies. <laughs> you know, I think it's the way to go. <laughs> All right, so what else do you have for us, Doc? Uh, those are the items that I have on my slate. Uh, I do okay. not know if anyone else has any other items on their slate, uh, but those are the items do. that I have for this evening. Okay, uh, Ghoul, Monkey, uh, we do have something that we wanted to talk about, and that is the unveiling of the newest Spider-Man movie trailer. So I wanted to yeah. get your reactions on that because I was very excited about this one. I'm excited to see what they do. Um so what do you is this think? is this Spider-Man trailer? I have a quick question. Is this Spider-Man trailer uh, related to other Spider-Man movies, or is this like a new version of Spider-Man? Uh, it's the sequel to Homecoming with Tom Holland as Spider-Man in the MCU. Yeah, this is tied to the current MCU uh, Spider-Man that's going on. It's the same Spider-Man that was also in Infinity War and stuff like that. That's right. All right. So, Ghoul, what did you think about this trailer that just dropped? Well, I mean, I think it's one of those where it's a shame that they let it slip so early about this film. Um, Because as of, you know, current time in the MCU, we don't know where Spider-Man is. He was part of the snap. Um, You know, he faded out of existence along with half the galaxy. Um, 
So it's kind of a bummer that it slipped as it was that the movie was coming out. I mean, we all kind of knew there'd be a sequel. We knew they'd be back. But, you know, the fact that, I don't know, it took away a little bit of something knowing for sure. Um, I liked not knowing who was going to survive this. Uh, right. That being said, you know, the trailer dropped, and, you know, okay, we knew the movie was coming out. The trailer dropped, and there's a big fucking fury, man. I mean, come on, dude, yeah. how many fucking loads are they going to blow in one shot? Like, why did they have to have a fury in the fucking thing? You couldn't just simply give, like, a teaser trailer that only showed little bits and pieces of the film without revealing anything of who's coming back from fucking Infinity. Anymore in the in the final portion of that. Um, aside from that, yeah, the trailer looks great. It looks like it's a lot of fun, sticking with the spirit. Mysterio looks good. Funny to see Jake Gyllenhaal coming in as a villain when you know for a while he was possibly on tap as Spider-Man. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I always love when those little ironies like that occur. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think about the look of Mysterio? Because I thought that they kind of nailed it in a way. It's not too futuristic. It's not too sleek. It's actually kind of more in the line with the comic book. But the fistful helm. It looks exactly like it does in the comic book, which I'm perfectly fine with that. I mean, we're at a point now where, you know, it, it works. It's, it's good to go. It's not like it looks cheesy. It, it, you know what? You're talking about a character that creates illusions and stuff like that. So him running around with a weird glass helmet on his head, I'm down. Yeah, I, I just I thought it was a great kind of reveal at the end, showing him with the helmet on. Uh, it's so great. You know, as a comic book fan, you, I've always wanted Mysterio in a Spider-Man movie, and now I'm getting it. I know Bruce Campbell at one time was going to be Mysterio in Spider-Man 4, if Raimi had his way. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing it now with Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, well, Monkey, what did you think about the new show? No. Okay, I'm sorry, Bruce, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, knowing how they are with films and whatnot. I wouldn't be surprised if that's just another one of his uh, images and yeah. that, you know, we will be introduced to a more realistic or, you know, semi-realistic looking version of the character. But they did throw that in there as a little bit of fan service. Could be uh, true. All right. Monkey, what do you think? Um, first of all, is someone, like, doing dishes or something? I'm going to get a ton of feedback on my side. Um, well, that's probably uh, the, the doc. He's in a storm right now. Okay, all right. Um, but yeah, I had I had fun watching this trailer. Um, again, really, really excited that they're continuing the story. You know, I'm glad we're getting more than one movie because Tom Holland, I think, does a great job as both Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Um, <clears throat> I'm just worried that they're trying to go too big, too fast by, you know, m- moving all of this to Europe and then bringing in a shit ton of villains because, unfortunately, that seems to be the Marvel formula when they do sequels is they always have to bring in more villains. And I personally disagree. I don't think you need to have more than one villain. Just keep it, it, the story telling solid. Keep, keep the story good, but you don't need to add, add more content. Just keep the interactions going. And lastly... Uh, it sounds stupid, but I hope they keep up the relation between Spider-Man and the suit. I really liked <laughs> that way of... I thought it was a really interesting way of them getting around monologuing. Was of him having the conversations with the suit. I hope they keep that going in this movie. Yeah. 
and that could be true. Um, I do like the fact that they bring in these uh, noir-looking suits, you know, the black suits, which I was kind of interested in seeing more, um, because in the comic book series, that's the way he looked in a couple of the runs, was the, the noir look, the black and white. So how they're going to incorporate it, I have no idea. But I was excited to see that. You know, he's going to go have at least one costume change in this film. Um, I know, Monkey, you had said that the suit looked darker, that it could be a different kind of super suit. But, no, I think it was the same one. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm oh, not it's like a, it's yeah. not his suit. You see in the trailer that he leaves his suit home. Mm-hmm. Well, so whatever that, suit he's what, using, the whatever suit he's using is the one that Nick Fury brought him. Well, oh, actually, in the... In the international tra- trailer, uh, they actually show a scene where he opens up a suitcase that Aunt May had put it in there with a little post-it note saying you forgot to pack it. Oh, ah. there you go. So, thank you, international trailer. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tidbit. <laughs> you know, because you never know. Um, but either way, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, I know that the Gulia brought up the elementals that they you know, possibly are going to show in the movie. Originally, I thought it was Sandman, because they showed the sand at first. I'm like, oh, shit, Sandman? No, they showed the water and the fire. Um, but mm-hmm. it could be just Mysterio fucking with Peter Parker. It could all just be part well, of the Yeah, well, it looks also like he's trying to be a good guy. Mysterio. Like, he looks like he's working with Spider-Man, and he's fighting the elementals. So that's why yeah. I'm wondering if it's going to be one of those where, you know, joke's on you, you know, I'm really the villain to make, trying to make myself look like I'm a hero. Which would play in line with Mysterio all along, you know, the fact that he's a trickster in that way. Um, yeah. But either way, I think it's going to be a good film. I mean, I, I like I said to you guys, both the Ghoul Monkey, I think Tom Holland's great. I think he's a great choice for Peter Parker as Spider-Man. You know, it's kind of giving us the true vision of a high schooler playing this character. And he's doing a great job. No, I have no problem with him. I, I do enjoy him. Yeah. And I, and with this new Spider-Man universe, you know, I, I like that they went the route of not the lonely Spider-Man all by his lonesome. You know, he has a crew, you know, and he has a couple of friends, and I'm glad they went this route instead of the traditional, you know, I'm alone, you know, I've got nobody, you know, i got to give up everything to be able to be Spider-Man, blah, 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 wine, wine, wine. You know, I'm glad they went this route of letting them have a couple buddies. Like the guy in the chair. He's the guy in the chair. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's going to be fun. And I can't wait for more trailers to get dropped. Um, this is just the first taste. So I'm sure we're going to get more as time goes forward before the release of the new Spider-Man film. Um, just like we said with Avengers Endgame, it's going to be more. So it's just a, a nice little taste to get us through. Um, but I know that the doc said he was kind of wrapped up with horror news. I had one piece I wanted to talk about, and that's Rob Zombie officially wrapped the Three from Hell film that he's making uh, based on House of the Corpses and Devil's Rejects. He's saying right now it's a trilogy. He has no plans of making another one. But I don't know. I think this one's going to be fun. I think it's going to be a great follow-up. I think it's going to make a lot of money because I know how successful Devil's Rejects was when it came out. So, in this day and age, do you think saying it's a trilogy and leaving at that is the end game? Or if it makes money, maybe I'll go back and do another one. No, because no matter how much money it makes, he's never going to go back. He's already said he's never going to go back. Right, Shyamalan? 
You know my feelings on that. If somebody else can come up with something good, you should also allow them to fucking make it. I yeah. completely agree with that. I mean, uh, are you guys excited for this one? Because I know I am. I mean, I loved the, the Devil's Rejects. I mean, I was a huge fan of that film. So the fact that they're going back in, making one more film, I can't wait to see a trailer. I can't wait to see when it's going to be released. I'm excited. What do you think, Ghoul? Okay. I mean, you know me, man. I enjoy Rob Zombie stuff. Uh, I might not always like it right off the bat. Uh, yeah. The only thing that's really fallen completely, you know, for me was H2. So yeah. nothing else. Yeah. I can I, I can take it for what it is. I've learned to kind of appreciate that that 70s style cheese factor that's involved with his movies. And you know what? Yes, you know he always has to go that extra step further. Believe me, I always wish he goes one fucking step past that. But you know, <laughs> I, I can't always get that. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you there. I mean, it's funny though because I loved House of Thousand Corpses. I'm a huge fan of Devil's Rejects, probably one of my favorite all-time movies. But the other ones kind of fall out of the wayside for me. Oh, yeah, definitely top five. Um, but, uh, <laughs> like, Wars of Salem, it's a good movie. It's not great. You know, I'll watch it if it's on. 31, it's fun. It's a great uh, ride. But for me, it doesn't capture what he did with the Devil's Rejects and with House Without Corpses. I feel like those are his two swan song movies. He's going to be remembered for those two movies, above all else. Yeah, he he found his niche with those movies, and unfortunately he was trying to take, you know, it seems like the the feeling of what was the backbone behind those movies and incorporate them into everything else, you know, to make his trademark visuals and the way, the feeling that he puts in every movie. But since he wants to keep going that way, then the good thing he's finally going back so he can actually go back to where he is truly comfortable and everyone else is comfortable watching it too. That's a great point. No. You know, I think that's a comfort zone thing. Cool. See, what I want is, you know, I, I want him to finally make a movie and, you know, there, there were gleaming points of it in Devil's Rejects, but I want him mm-hmm. to make a movie that makes me feel like when I watched the original Last House on the Left. You know, I want something that makes me kind of feel fucking gross and dirty that I'm watching it. You know, something that's so disgusting, and yet I can't take my fucking eyes off of it. Mm. He almost did it with Devil Rejects, I think. And that's what we always think we're going to get. Yeah. But you know what? It's not something like that isn't going to happen, unfortunately, with Rob Zombie. Uh, Even though... Even though, you know, he, he makes his own stuff, he writes his own stuff, and has created his own worlds with all of his stuff, he still, uh, when it comes to, when it comes to, to our genre, he's still, uh, in a way, one of the more popular, and I don't mean mainstream, because it's not mainstream, but mainstream right. filmmakers. If you're looking for something that's going to make you feel the way you felt uh, from watching uh, the original Last House on the Left, I think if Rob Zombie was going to make that movie, he would have made it already. Um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think gonna, I don't think that that's something that you're ever going to see from him. I'm not saying that there's not movies like that out there. Uh, there very well might be, but I feel that uh, the 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 way that you might find something that will give you that feeling is going to be something a little bit more off the beaten path uh, than something from Rob Zombie. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, but that's, that's a really good point, territory. Doc. This is where he's comfortable at, and I'm happy he's going back. But I kind of feel like if it makes a lot of money, you know, maybe he'll do a prequel movie. Maybe he'll do a spinoff of Dr. Satan. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's hard to tell with him when it comes to these movies because it feels like he's done. He doesn't want to do anymore. But at the same time, if the fans want it, he'll give it to them. If he can get the money together. Just like with Three from Hell. Yeah. <laughs> well, seeing is believing, and hopefully it'll be out soon. And, and well, what is he saying? An October, September release? I don't think he's actually said what the release date's going to be yet, but I would imagine it's probably going to be October. You know, probably a late 2019 release. Um, oh, I, know, I know 31 came out in September, so. Yeah. Maybe I mean, who knows? That about. I mean, I think uh, Devil's Rejects came out in the summertime. Back in 2005, so oh, it was a summer movie, and it was a good one. I mean, I saw that five times in the theater. So, goes to show you how much I saw that movie. <laughs> five separate times with a couple different people, because uh, I couldn't believe how great that movie was. Um, but and, you know, I, even though I know I've seen the whole thing, I still have yet to actually, and I do like it. I've just still yet to ever sit and watch the entire film in one viewing. Really? What? Are you doing pieces? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, I do, yeah, it's I do been in done in, ch- in chunks every time. <laughs> he he can turn it into it. an anthology movie. <laughs> kind of. See, I've always done it in one sitting. <laughs> you know, even at home, when I have my Blu-ray and my DVD. You know, I definitely watch it. And the monkey knows I have my Devil's Rejects banner hiding, flying high in my apartment. When oh, yeah. it comes over, it's right there on the wall. My big fleece oh, blanket, cool... Devil's Rejects. Yeah, I got the cool girl a uh, gigantic blanket with Captain Spaulding's face on it for uh, for a Christmas gift. So that was a badass Christmas gift. I gotta admit, I was jealous of that one. I was like, damn it, why couldn't I find that one? But no, I'm happy with my Devil's Rejects one that I have. Because um, you're not married to the ghoul. That's true. I'm not married to him. I'm not a part of his life. So just didn't get that put, just didn't put out the same way. I know. I just give hand jobs. I'm not very good at anything else. I'm a good handy guy. I work well with my hands. That's why they call me Handy Andy. Handy Andy all the way. Oh, that's his yep. tail name. And I'm proud of that. So Craig will shut me down. I was happy with that nickname. <laughs> but before we get into the movies tonight, I did have one more thing I wanted to say. And that was last week, uh, the doc had talked about The Witches, the Robert Zemeckis movie. And he talked about how he was down south and he saw an old woman when he walked into a gas station who smiled at him and it freaked him the fuck out. So I was like, yep. She was a lot lizard. But I had my own experience tonight when I was actually walking home from the CVS. Uh, I walked back through a back alley to get back to my apartment, and this back alley I walked and a couple of lights. There was an old woman walking with a walker. You know, it looked like she was 90 years old. She's walking very slow. I don't have my headphones in at this point because I forgot them at home. She grabs onto my hand and says, have you seen my dog? I'm like, no, I haven't. She goes, well, I'll see you soon, darling. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm so scared right now. I was like, what is happening? I'm in a dark alley with an old woman. I was like, nope, got to go. That's got, that's got silver alert written all over it right there, man. 
I am so fucking terrified. I'm in this dark alleyway with only a couple lights, and this old woman with a walker asked me if she'd seen the dog, and I'm like, yeah, no, man, I'll see it soon, darling. I'm like, I hope you don't. You, you, you're lucky she didn't just, just run your, her hand over your face and go, Dina. Uh, yeah, nope. I was good. I was scared enough. I was like, all right, not much scares me, but that scared me. I was like, fucking old people are scary, man. Like, you know, get out of there. You needed to fuck with her at that point, man. You needed to, like, look at her in, like, a weird sort of way and just be like, I'll remember your face. <laughs> no, no. I was still in the throes of scared at that point. I'm like, all right, I'm in a dark alley. There's only a couple of lights. I need to get home. I was like, I didn't start crying. I was strong enough not to cry, but I did run. And I was like, all right, time to go. I may be sad, but I'm going to run if I have to. <laughs> and speaking of running That's right Speaking of running and fat people running Well, we have a movie to talk about tonight The 1987 The Running Man Directed by Paul Michael Glazer TV Starsky, Starsky and Hutch So, Monkey, why don't you take us away? Alright the Running Man is a 1987 sci-fi action film that takes place in the far-flung future of 2019. Oh, shit. <laughs> So now we're in a 2019 where total global economic collapse has left the differences between the classes greater than ever. Global corporations and Yeah, I know. And citizens <laughs> who work for them on high while the masses are left to wallow in the muck below. And what is done to appease these masses? Fucking television shows, of course. The most successful television show in the world is The Running Man, a live televised manhunt where convicted criminals, the runners, are chased through a game grid consisting of over 100 city blocks by the stalkers, trained killers who will stop at nothing until they catch their prey. And it's all coming to you live on Talking Terror! (laughs) Now, why I chose this movie, alright? Yes, it's an 80s action movie with lots of pointless killing, Guns and blood. Um, unfortunately, there were no boobs. And None. no, it's no boobs. And no, it's, no boobs. it's not a time. No, no, no. And no, this is not a timeless horror movie that will survive the ages. But as the ghoul has often said, horror is subjective, and horror movies are people being put into horrific situations. And that's what we have in The Running Man: is people literally running for their lives and they're being hunted down. Sure, it's not a good concept. We've seen it done before, and it's been done better, you know. But under all of the explosions, under all of the bad puns, and under all of the camp, deep down in the belly of this movie, I think this film really had some great social commentary that was worth hearing. And that's why I chose this movie. Okay, all right. So, Ghoul, what do you think about The Running Man? Um... I have a weird relationship with this film. Uh, we went steady for a little while. Nah. I, uh, <laughs> I knew about The Running Man 
as a book. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I yep. knew the Running Man as a movie before I ever knew mm. that it was a book. Um, but then I had found the book and read the book before I ever went and saw the movie. Mm. So when I finally did get the chance to see this film uh, many years ago, I was heavily disappointed because it is just so not the same as the book. Um, There are, you know, little things related to it, but for the most part, it is completely its own, you know, it's, it's a different beast. Um, that being said, you know, I've obviously gotten over it and, uh, you know, I can watch it now and enjoy it for what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Doc, what do you think about the running man? Uh, you know, I, I Ghoul, when you were talking about seeing this film, uh, for the first time, is this, did you see this in the movie theater? No, no, I did not. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I might see, have years the... after it came out. Gotcha. So I I I, I do not know uh, about the monkey, but it's possible that maybe am I the only one on the show that has seen this in its uh, the original theatrical release? Yeah, I know. I, I did not see it. I I saw it on video when it first came out. So I saw The Running Man, uh, you know, in its original theatrical release. Got to see it in the movie theater. Uh, was either. Uh, 10 or 11 year old, 11 years old, depending upon the release date, and got to see it in the movie theater because I got invited to a birthday party of a kid who, like, I wasn't even really friends with at all. Uh, me and one of my other friends, we were like, did you get invited to this guy's birthday party? And we were like, uh, yeah. And we were like, why do you think that happened? And we were like, I don't know. But anyway, so we went. The wire and, talking like uh, Sylvester Stallone. I don't know. <laughs> hey, oh, I don't know. The birthday, the birthday party uh, was going to the movies and seeing The Running Man. And what I can say is that when I saw The Running Man in the movie theater uh, at that age, I just absolutely was blown away and completely loved it. I had not read the book, and I don't even know if I even knew if it was a book at the time. But when I saw that film in the movie theater, I loved it. Uh, it was like the perfect kind of movie for me at the perfect age, uh, and just just adored it. And, uh, you know, long time has passed, and, and watching this movie again, I've seen it periodically over the years, but getting to see it again, uh, this is one that just... It doesn't hold up for me in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just not something that that captures me. And I have fond memories of it, and like it's nostalgic when I see it. But I see it as a tremendously flawed, flawed film uh, when I, when I see it now. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because um, like I was telling the monkey when he said he wanted to pick the Running Man, I was like, the Running Man, really? Like you know, okay, like you know. I hadn't seen it in a long time. The first time I saw it was on home video, like you guys, back in the 90s. Um, and I was like, it's all right. <clears throat> it's a fun kind of movie, you know, passes the time. And I watched <laughs> it this time, and I said, man, Arnold Schwarzenegger is not a good actor. Gee, <laughs> you think? It's not his movie. You know, it's just, you know, there was a lot of instances where I'm like, does he even know what movie he's in? Like, yeah, I, I don't know, like. Because I've seen movies where he's good. I mean, the Predator, you know, movie and Commando, 
because Commando is unintentionally funny, but the running man, it just, the social commentary is there, but they don't play with it enough. They just kind of want to show you the game show aspect of it, which is fun. Um, I was more of a fan of Captain Freedom. I was like, why can't we have more of this guy? I was like, look, Jesse the Body Ventura is in this fucking movie. We don't get enough. We don't get enough of Captain Freedom. <laughs> I would much rather have a movie based on his character and Jim Brown as Fireball than I do with, um, you know, uh, Ben Richards as mm-hmm. the running man. It just, it was, it was serviceable. Like, to steal a line from the ghoul, it's a serviceable movie. You know, it has its fun po- uh, moments, but it's not a movie where I'm like, oh, man, The Running Man? Yeah. Fuck yeah, guys. you got to watch this movie. <laughs> and it's cool that you, uh, the, what the doc had brought up about him being between 10 and 11, because when I watched this movie for the show, I watched it with my 12-year-old son before I t- had to take him back to Virginia. And le- like the doc had said, he, you know, around the same age, fucking loved it. Thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. Thought, thought it was, you know, just, you know, fun. Uh, all the parts that came up with Jesse Ventura when he first came up, I was like, do you recognize him? And he was like, no. And I was like, it's the dude with the Gatling gun from Predator. And he was like, you know, he, he accidentally was like, no fucking way. And I was like, dude. And he was like, I'm sorry, but that's the Gatling gun dude? And I was like, yeah, that's the Gatling gun dude. Yeah, he's and then, and then every, this movie. And then, I need yeah, more. And then, uh, yeah, and then every time Jesse Ventura came governor. onto the screen... Yeah, but every time Jesse Ventura came onto the screen, Ian just started rolling, you know, because he, he was in on the joke. So it was awesome just to share that, you know, 80s action movie time with, with him. Yeah. Um, you know, because uh, one of the things I wanted to kind of bring up as we get into this movie, um, yeah, the movie is filmed in 1987, but it takes place between 2017 and 2019. But mm-hmm. when I viewed it now, I feel like that's where we kind of are. Like, as TV viewers, with the game shows that they have now, challenging people, like, you have Fear Factor, you had American Gladiators back in the 90s. I feel like that's kind of where we are now, where it's violence is entertainment. And put it on TV, and people are going to eat it up. So I kind of appreciated it now, watching that aspect of, like, we're there. You know, we're not as futuristic as they are in The Running Man, but mm-hmm. entertainment-wise, we're kind of there. So I wanted to get your guys' uh, opinions about that. I totally agree. It's like I I see it as we are right there. We're trying to broadcast everything live, put it up there for everyone to see. Um, It's just, you know, again, this is one of those hard tech science fiction movies where they were trying to make things futuristic, but they didn't realize the power of the computer and, you know, didn't realize how integral computers are going to be in the future. But, yeah, as far as programming is concerned, yeah, I see this as right along with what they're going at. What do you guys think? Ghoul? Yeah, I think uh, you know, it's a, it's a dystopian future. Um, as far as like the computers and whatnot, I mean, it's like watching, you know, like a John Carpenter flick with that kind of stuff. You know, oh. there was only so much that they can take in one budget, but two, you know, they, they had limitations to their thought with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think the, you know, it's, 
again, like I said, I have a weird love hate with this thing. You know, I love some (laughs) of the characters. I love some of the performances, but at the same time, I don't always love this movie. Um, No, I don't feel like it holds up as well as, as some of the other stuff, but uh, but yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I'm right right there with you. Um, Doc, what'd you think about the the transition (laughs) that we're in now with TV entertainment? Yeah, look, our, 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 what we watch on TV and what gets tremendously popular on TV, and even not right now, this minute, I mean, still this right minute, this minute, but going back 10, 15 years, uh, we love to watch people on TV uh, get hurt for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, the, the sports entertainment that, that you guys all love so much, uh, or something as rudimentary as the Jackass series. Uh, yeah. You know, we have, you know, we have like an innate bloodlust uh, where we love violence and we love to see violent things happen to people. And if it can be made funny, uh, all the better. Um, you know, we love to see our heroes uh, get taken down. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger's character uh, was, uh, was a, a military hero that, uh, you know, was presented as having, you know, made this horrible mistake uh, and is, uh, you know, then paraded in front of the people to get his comeuppance, uh, a bloodthirsty people that wanted to see him hunted down and punished. Um, you know, uh, there was an episode of Black Mirror that, you know, uh, explored a similar kind of thing with somebody being on the run from uh, multiple assailants. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so that kind of thing when it comes to uh, the the depiction of the running man as a game show, yes, I feel like that is something today that that you know, like it could even be real today. Uh, you know, we haven't yet progressed to the point where we're killing people on TV, but I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in our lifetime we got there, uh, or you know, if not in our lifetime. Not long beyond our lifetime. I mean, I feel like that's the way things are rapidly heading as our society slowly crumbles, small rock by small rock. Um, but you know, watching The Running Man, it's 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 kind of silly. Like the characters are kind of silly. Uh, you know, I feel that for myself as a viewer now. I would like to see this movie again, but have this movie not played as comedy, but ha- but played as like dead seriousness. I feel mm, that might yeah. be more interesting. Mm. I agree. Go I agree. agree. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, I also think, though, to say the whole thing about, you know, we haven't seen this or we're not there, you know, or we're almost there. you got to remember something. Take a step back in time, folks. We were there. You know, there was a time where we had gladiatorial games, you know, during Roman era in which, yeah. you know, people were killing people for the joy of the spectators. Um so, you know, the fact that it's not done today is the step forward. You know, it's the, the direction we're going in. For us to get to this point in society to be showing, you know, death and dismemberment and killing people and people being on, you know, watching it on television, knowing full well that it's real and cheering for it. You know, I, I don't think we'll ever get to that point. I don't think our I think our society would have to take a major, major, 
major hit where like a huge portion of the population gets completely wiped out before anything like this ever could possibly occur. Yeah. As no, much as uh, we like blood and shit like that, man. Yeah. And if you want to see it taken in a more serious direction, watch any of the Hunger Game movies. Watch Battle yeah. Royale. I mean, these are all yeah. films oh, yeah. that have taken the same exact formula and, and created the same world. Yeah, yeah, and Battle Royale did a great job with it. It's a great two movies. Um, and the Hunger Games is off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Slow, slow your roll right there, Muggy. The second Battle Royale, Battle Royale movie was like the worst fucking movie I've ever seen in my fucking life. Talk about a major fucking letdown after the first one. Well, he didn't say part two. Part two is a letdown. I will agree there. But the first one is great. Oh, the first one is No, Monkey did say two. I, love I have both of them. You said two? Wow. Okay. Well, I disagree there. <laughs> you know, I'm on the dark side with that one. I like the first one better. But um, on the dark you know, side. I mean, it's it's interesting how they handle. Yeah. It's interesting how they handle the Schwarzenegger character. You know, he's a, a pilot. He's a hero. Gentry. But they kind of frame him for the Bakersfield massacre, where this is your fault. And we're going to blame you for it. Throw you in jail. It further showed me that he doesn't know how to act very well in this movie because he's like, I will not kill the children. I will not kill them. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> innocent women and children down there. <laughs> yeah. The hell we're I will not go against food. you. Let's <laughs> yeah. give those people some air, Copenhagen. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, it showed you how bad it was. But the, the fact that he ended up breaking out with uh, Yafet Kodo he plays one of the resistance fighters um, as Waffle, and then there was Weiss, you know, the kind of computer nerd. Um, the one thing I had a problem with is that when he breaks out of jail with these guys and he goes, I'm going to go find my brother um, and just kind of figure out a way to live outside of this prison, they don't really focus on the brother that much. They do say that he got, the, you know, re-education, which yep. I guess is kind of having his brain washed. But they never kind of go back to that. And I was kind of wishing that they had gone back to that well. Show his brother at some point. Mm. Be a part of the well, game that, show. You know, be one of the, well, the stalkers. Well, that was the whole thing is that when we get to the end, I was thinking that maybe somehow that and, was going to turn out to be his brother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to get to that. But, yeah. Um, like I felt like that. I don't know what you guys thought, but I felt like that was kind of a drop thing. Where it's like you don't need to have a brother, you know. Okay, he got uh, you know the reeducation, but they never go back to it. The brother was there to give him a place to go to, so that he could split away from those guys. Because where else was he going otherwise? Um, you know, that's that's why that was necessary. Yeah, it was a line. I I thought the same thing. Um, that you know, that at some point, that yeah, he could have could have come back. He could have you know been one of the you know either a contestant or he could have been a dead body down there. You know, I, yeah. I felt like re-education did not mean re-education. I didn't feel like it meant mind washing. I felt like it was you know you're dead. That could be it too. I mean, I took it as brainwashing. I thought re-education meant he was going to be brainwashed and just kind of go with whatever they're telling him to do. But they don't play with it enough. They kind of drop it. Because when he gets to Amber's apartment, she tells him all that, you know, that information, he's going to take her hostage. I don't know why. I don't know why you have to take this girl hostage. There's no real reason. You know, just go off by yourself, dude. Like, you know, you're fine. You know, 
You're wearing a Hawaiian a shirt and a hat? <laughs> you know, go to that airport. You don't need her. You need your credit card travel pass. That's true. I didn't think of that. Um, but we also get our first taste of Captain Freedom on the, uh, the workout tape. Fucking the best scene in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse the Body Ventura is on Freedom. Captain Freedom's is workout. You want pain? You want punishment? The Captain Freedom workout for you. Hey! Just dancing around, flexing muscles. Yeah, it was one of those things where I wanted more Captain Freedom. Because I love Jesse the Body Ventura. And I felt like it was a throwaway kind of thing. Because he is a retired player. They do admit that. Or soccer, rather. Yeah, yeah I, love no, that. I, was, I was hoping to see him suit up, but, you know, yeah. as we'll find out later, it doesn't quite work out that way. You kind of get that. Um, but, yeah, we'll talk about that. But what did you guys think about Richard Dawson of Family Feud fame as James Hill? Because I thought he was a great villain. Like, I felt like his game show experience really went to this character because he was fantastic. Everything he was in, I was enjoying it because he's just such an asshole. What's really interesting is that uh, he played he played that role as he played his role as a game show host. But what's really interesting is that when I saw The Running Man, I didn't know who the fuck Richard Dawson was. He was the host of the Family Feud. No, not in 1987 when I was 10 years old. He had hosted the Family nope. Feud. Uh, uh, he was hosting that show. Uh, he had hosted it before. In the 70s. Like the, Whatever era of, like, I was a watcher of the Family Feud in the 80s, and I don't remember who was hosting it originally when I was watching it, but it wasn't Richard Dawson. He was already gone. So I didn't know who Richard Dawson was. It wasn't until uh, much, much, much later when I might have even had the running man on at the house where either my dad or someone was like, oh, my God, that's Richard Dawson from the Family Feud. And I was like, that's not Richard Dawson's the Family Feud. Like, the Family Feud was like Chuck Barris or somebody like that. Uh, (laughs) and, And my dad told me that. Richard Dawson was the host of the Family Feud in the 70s, and was no, notorious for like grabbing all of the females and squeezing them oh, yeah. and kissing them and thumbs on them. And <laughs> yeah. you know, I've, I've since seen uh, footage of of said behavior, and oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's really it's really funny to see that uh, now. But in knowing that, uh, you know, using uh, an experienced game show host was a smart idea for that role, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Go. What do you think about Richard Dawson? Oh, I think it was fantastic. I mean, what a again, similar to what the doc said, it was just a smart thing. You got a guy that is playing a, a game show host. Uh, he was able to pull off, you know, the – he was able to make it genuine because that's what he did mm-hmm. for a living. But, you know, I got to give him props too because as an actor, he did a good job of being, you know, a, a good villain without coming too over the top, without seeming like, you know, okay, this is a guy that's a game show host, but a terrible actor. Yeah. Especially bringing in Ben Richards, Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, into the game. I just, I love his reaction to seeing him on video. Isn't he beautiful? Isn't he glorious? Like, we need to bring him in. Look at those pecs. That'll sell. Like, you know, just looking at the value of his character just based on his physique. And when he meets Ben for the first time, he's like, hello, cutie pie. Like, you know, it's <laughs> such a bizarre way of introducing yourself, but he was selling it really well. Uh, Monkey, yeah. what did you think mm-hmm. about uh, Richard Dawson? Yeah, he was hands down the best part of this entire movie. Um, 
it's like, you know, he kept us entertained in the movie. And, yeah, me growing up, I did see Richard Dawson as the host when I was young because I used to watch it when I was little, little. And, you know, I recognized him as the host of Family Feud. But also, I growing up, is like I also knew he was also what, part of the cast of the Magnif- I mean, of, of The Great Escape. You know, yeah. so I've seen him in acting roles as well. You know, I didn't grow up just knowing him just for uh, his TV show host personality. You know, so I'd seen both and knew he can do both. And it was great to see him deliver on both fronts as, you know, our show, our host, you know, our Carnival Barker. And also those behind-the-scenes moments of him just being a total dick to make <laughs> yeah. all of this running. Yeah. Especially like the the docket said about him and his women, the contestants. So he would always walk up to them and kind of get a big kiss as he introduces himself yeah. to all the women. And they do play with that in the movie, too. You Absolutely. Know, he introduces himself to the woman, he's like, yeah, no tongue. You know, but when we get to the actual game, that's where I kind of felt like it kind of amped up a little bit where it's, you're getting, you know, Ben Richards in this game. Now they're introducing him. They're showing you the doctored footage of the Bakersfield massacre. And they have all these people in the audience going, Oh God, no, but they're not showing you people getting killed. They're showing you exploding buildings and they show you the one woman laying on the ground going, no. So it's clearly doctored, but these people are eating it up. And I thought that was a great kind of example of how if you show it the right way, people will believe you. Kind of like in this day and age, fake news. You know, if you show them doctored footage, they'll believe it. You know, people are gullible. So I thought that was kind of a good thing, back, especially back in 87. I don't know what you guys thought about that. No, again, the thing, man, is just keeping it going, showing the people what they want to see to to make them even thirstier for what they're about to see. Mm -hmm. I loved it. I thought it was a great example of doctoring footage to show you that, oh, this is a guy that you're going to hate. He killed a bunch of women and children. He's like, well, I didn't do that. But the fact that you doctored it was great. I didn't like the fact that you have Amber going into the back room going, oh, I'm going to look for some tapes. Oh, look at this. The secret. Oh, and then footage. <laughs> Found it. It's like, oh, there's the, the KFC recipe, too. <laughs> you know. But um, I just want to rewind super quick about us talking about Richard Dawson's character and the big pimp that he is. I just want to sit there and say real quick, I don't know if you guys called it or not, I love that when he pulls up in that big-ass red limo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, um, if you can't, guys didn't notice the 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 logo on the side of the limo was a Maserati. Yeah, because <laughs> that was a Maserati. I actually researched that. It actually was a Maserati model that they had for the movie, that red limo. So that was, you know, for, just after that movie, which I thought was a fantastic little part that he would have to drive around in that kind of a limo. Uh, you know, getting people Maserati to go off of him. Telling the one guy that was mopping the floor, Oh, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, you know what? If he's here tomorrow, you're going to be mopping the floor. Like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that little idea. part right there. That was funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. Because <laughs> he's in total control. And it also features Kurt Fuller from Ghostbusters 2, from so many movies in the 80s where he's playing the corporate shill. Uh, like, it's the 80s, corporate, you know, corporate guy. Kurt Fuller's going to show up. No holds barred. He was the main villain in No Holds Barred, man. And that is, you know, 
You know, it's funny. I remember one of the movies we were talking about. We were talking about uh, what's his name, man, the guy that was from Ferris Bueller's and all that stuff. Uh, and I had said at the time that, like, you know, I felt like John Lovitz could possibly be in that same uh, same category. And you know what I realized? It wasn't Lovitz that I was talking about. It's this guy. This is the guy who I feel <laughs> like could be. It. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you know, I see this guy, and the only thing I think of is no holds barred. There's no way, you know. There's just, I, I just can't. Yeah, see, I think Ghostbusters too. Like, I mean, I obviously I no holds barred, but I always think about Ghostbusters too. Because he's the guy that got the Ghostbusters locked up in the mental asylum, because he wanted to keep them away yeah. from the mayor. <laughs> so either okay. way, Atherton was such a better character that that's who I'll always go to with that man. This is my brain. <laughs> Atherton is in both movies. Yeah, well, obviously, like I said, we difference, but the same type of character, just a sleazy fucking corporate <clears throat> guy. That's Kurt Fuller back in the eighties. Like you can get him <laughs> to be anything, he's going to be that guy. Um, the one thing I wanted to ask you guys is that in the Running Man game, uh, it's four quadrants, and I think it's like 300 blocks. Is that what they said it was? Like some amazing amount of blocks that they have to go through? It's, it's 100 city blocks. Okay. Um, the one problem I had with the game itself is that you have these stalkers that are like the big bosses that you have to get through. But it felt like yeah. there needed to be more in the game itself rather than just the big bosses. Like, I felt like there needed to be other people trying to stop you from getting to the big bosses ahead of time rather than just kind of running along these streets to the big bosses like Sub-Zero, Buzzsaw, Fireball, Dynamo. I felt like there needed to be more, and I wanted to get what you guys thought about that. That's a good point, King. Ghoul, what do you think? Well, I mean, again, you know, if you go by what the source material was, it's not, this was not how the games were played. You know, you were nope. given a certain amount of money and you can go anywhere in the world. You know, you had X amount of time as a head start and you got paid for every cop that you killed, for any yeah. law enforcement that, that you killed, like that kind of deal, as well as the, the I don't think they were called stalkers in the book. I think they were called trackers. Um <laughs> But, uh, but, yeah, these were things that they changed for it. And, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, there should have been more of a of a buildup. But then again, you have them, you know, you have them set up in a location where they're, they're locked down. So, I mean, they could have put in environmental traps or at least more environmental yeah. traps. Um, I don't know. They could have done other things to, to, to ramp it up. Because you uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, Maria Conchita Alonso, man. That's true. She was so cute in this movie. That accent, man. Doc, it's like that Selma Hayek accent. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a little bit of your puzzles. I'm sorry, say that again? Do you think there should have been more to the, the quadrants rather than just one big box at each level? I mean, again, this ties into my feelings about the movie overall. When I saw this movie in the movie theater as a kid, I thought it was amazing. You know, like, this, it, it, it just, I, the, the villains were, were, were fun and unique and interesting and scary when you're 10, 11 years old. And it just, I don't know, it just comes off to me as fucking cheesy and a little bit corny now. Mm-hmm. And they were good. I mean, each, each quadrant, like Sub-Zero was great. 
you know, when he comes out into the ice rink, you know, and he's taking on these people. But when they defeat Sub-Zero, it seems like they're going to be okay. Like, they're going to get through this maze pretty well. Like, you know, that they're not going to stop, you know, with, with Ben Richards kind of being the strong man. Well, you have Wise and, and Laughlin, you know, doing their thing in the maze. Like, I felt like there should have been more to kind of hamper their success. And it's like, nope, you're just going to go from one level to the next, and you're going to have a stalker in each level. And we're going to defeat them because that's what we have to do to survive. Because so, Ben Richards is fucking invincible. <laughs> I know, my God. <laughs> you know, because Sub-Zero, you know, they build him up, you know, with his, you know, his hockey stick, with the razor blades, but he's easily defeated. It's not like they had a big fight with him. Like, you know, a little bit of a fight, but even with Buzzsaw, like, the guy has a chainsaw, and he's like, the chainsaw is a part of me. Now it's going to be a part of you. I'm like, you know, he was kind of easily defeated, you know, by Ben Richards. He did better with the motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They had that aspect, too. I didn't understand it. But, yeah, they had people chasing Amber through the maze when she gets captured and thrown in there. It just, yeah. Because you have these characters like Dynamo, who is apparently an opera singer and also looks like a fat Christmas tree. <laughs> like Ben Richards keeps talking about. Come on, my head. Come on. Chase me. Yeah, just, I was like, come on. Driving this big ass car. <laughs> I will not kill him because he is defenseless. On to the next level. Like, all right, stop it. <laughs> come on. <laughs> you know, you're fighting for survival here. Mm. Right, but at this time, that's when they also bring in um, Amber, and while they're bringing her up, because they, you know they caught her with the security tapes, and they're going to decide to throw her into the game now. This is where I'm talking about the social commentaries, because while they're you know prepping her up and stuff like that, now they're prepping her, uh, hitting her up with you know lies about what she's done, you know about how she's Richard's um, girlfriend, and she's done stuff like yeah. with more than. Yep with more than two pe- people in the past year, you know, and goes on and talks about all these things that she's done that are really no big deal, which makes you question, you know, what the society is like really at the moment. Yeah, it's a good point to bring up. Yeah, well, um, well, we also, also saw that in the scene because when they, uh, when they're, when they, when he gets caught at the airport. There's that scene where she's watching the news and now it's showing him shooting people and killing a guard yeah. and this and yep. that. So, and, you know, she gets that whole line of, uh, that is not that happened that way. Yeah, <laughs> this didn't actually happen. And I find that to herself. Way. Yeah, only to herself. Um, I like the audience participation, too. You know, when they're picking the stalkers. That that oh, guys. Yeah. You know, especially <laughs> the, the old woman. The old people are great. Oh my God! They're so, <laughs> especially after the whole scene with Buzzsaw and Dynamo, where he's like, "All right, all right, we're here with the older woman in our audience. You know, who do you pick next? You know, who do you pick next to win?" She goes, "I pick Ben Richards." He's like, uh, "No, you can't pick him. <laughs> he's the running man in this thing. I pick him because I think he's gonna kick ass. Like, you know, he's a I bad do, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, a bad motherfucker. Yeah." The fact that she had that line, and all of a sudden, all the bets are off. Like, you know, you have that one shot of the crowd throwing their money at him. Yeah, 200 on Ben Richards, 200. They're like, oh, shit, I don't know what to do now. Yep, put him up there, put him up. Like, you know, get the bets in there. 
You know, it was a great kind of turn where everybody, despite the fact that they think he's a, a woman and child murderer, now they're like, fuck yeah, man, he can kill people. You know, put some money on that guy. I like that, that turn of the audience where they're just bloodthirsty. Like, they just want to see violence, and they're getting it from Ben, who is giving it to them. Mm-hmm. Which, which then causes a private conversation between Killian and Ben, where Killian makes a deal to Ben, giving him an opportunity going, okay, you know, he's killed off two, two of the runners and, and paired one of them, so Killian makes a deal going, you know what, how about we work out a deal and you work for me as a stalker? I'm going to give you this big fat contract, you know, all, all this corporate shit going on. You know, what, what do you say, sweetie? <laughs> yeah. I will not take the deal. I'm going to rip your camera. You. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. When he smashes that camera, I don't know. Like I said, I... It's just the fact that he had so many one-liners in this movie, too, where it's like, because this was two years removed from Commando, which is his biggest uh-huh. one-liner movie to date. But he yeah. still had the one-liners of talking to, to Killian. He was, I'll be back. I'm like, oh, he had to have that in there. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Terminator line, what happened to Buzzsaw? He had to split. <laughs> um, all right, so he's enjoying himself. I felt like that was part of his contract for this movie. I have to have one-liners. <laughs> if I can't get one-liners, I don't want to do your movie. It's like, all right, well, we'll give you a one-liner for every person that you kill. <laughs> but that—that that was his niche back in the day, man. Was he did the puns? He did, you know, he did the one-liners. Um, you know, because he even um, did a couple in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was his thing. Like, I mean, I don't know why. Like, but his thing was one-liners. Like, he just loved the one-liners because mm-hmm. he's, he's winking at the camera. Yeah, remember when I said that in this movie? I'm saying it again in this one. Like, <laughs> it's yeah, the one-liners are a little bit much. But I do like the fact that they, when they had the one scene of uh, Damon cutting to Captain Freedom, and Captain was like, "Yeah, I remember this game." You know, it's about honor, and I remember back in the... All right, anyway, Captain Freedom, we're going to cut away from you. (laughs) (laughs) Hanging out in the locker room where there's no one else really in the locker room anymore. (laughs) Yeah, except for Jim Brown as Fireball, who's like, hell yeah, man! I'm going to get that bitch. Oh, man. I love Fireball, but there's not enough of him in this movie. He's got the great fucking costume, but again, very easily defeatable. Well, yeah, but at the same time, how many people are going to find ways to get around a flamethrower, man? It's just, but I felt sorry for him, man, because he's he's got you the jetpack, which he, yeah, no, yes, because he had the jetpack, which he really didn't use that much, but Buzzsaw and Dynamo had fucking cars and motorcycles, you know, a Fireball had to fucking jog everywhere. I was like, oh, come on, fuck fly. Off, man. He could yeah, fly. Well, <laughs> He literally flew out of the, the arena to get to where they were. So he's got the power. So just because he doesn't have a car doesn't mean that he's not efficient. It's just the fact that he wasn't expecting Ben Richards to be an adversary. Um, what did you guys think about the reveal of the dead bodies of the previous contestants? Because they had that video package that uh, Damon sent out saying, look at the previous contestants. They paid their dues. They're off in Hawaii now. Look at them waving with sexy girls with bikinis. And then you find the bodies, and you're like, well, they're dead. 
They did make it out. Mm-hmm. And, and I um, love how a, they, they have – oh, go ahead, Gould. No, it's not a surprise. You know what I mean? Again, we, we've seen that this is the society that they're showing us, you know, the media – and that is, you know, the thing that they got right. I just think their execution wasn't great. It's just that the idea is that the media is controlling everything. They're controlling yeah. mm-hmm. what you think. They're controlling what you eat. You know, we get those. We get that said to us in lines. You know, mm-hmm. a movie like, uh, you know, something we covered recently, Starship Troopers. You know, did that right by showing us all that propaganda, yeah. showing us like the commercials and all that. Um, Whereas this is kind of, again, it's so busy trying to be an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle. Yeah. It just, it did not do right by the story. I mean, again, I, I know, uh, not to beat the dead horse with it, but like with the book, Stephen King himself even at one point said that the Ben Richards character, if you were to mm-hmm. look at him, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the exact opposite of who that person is, both physically and personality-wise. Yeah, I can see that, though. Yeah, I can see him writing a Ben Richards character not to be this big, muscle-bound Austrian that we get in. Um, he was an everyday Doc, worker that lost his job. He was skinny. He was scrawny. <laughs> they were losing their, yep. their house. They were starving. He joined the game. Like, you know, there was yeah. no, he was no police officer that, you know, was disgraced because he, you know, falsely shot up a bunch of people and whatnot. You know, that, that, that's, that's not what it was. No, not at all. Um, but, Doc, what did you think about that reveal showing the bodies that Amber finds as they're competing against Fireball? I thought it was a great one for the audience, even though the audience themselves don't see it. Doc? I don't hear the rain. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) Well, again, they defeat Fireball kind of easily in a way. It's like, I kind of, again, like you had said, Monkey, you felt bad Fireball. I did kind of feel bad Fireball when he died. Because I felt like he was going in there so confident that he could take care of business. And he pretty much got defeated by his own weapon, which is uh, the flamethrower. Plus, Just downfall, like, bitch. Overconfidence, <laughs> motherfucker. I liked James Brown's, like, you know, d- deep, like, morbid you like James voice. Brown's? <laughs> yeah. But, but when, whenever he spoke, he was like, oh, you know, all scary as fucking shit like that. You know, he was one of those, and the way it echoed in that whole ch- chamber when they were in there in the, the big-ass locker room, you know, so I was like, man, that's a big scary motherfucker, the way he's all deep-voiced and shit like that. No, last season's losers. And shit like that. <laughs> it, was, it was great for what it was, you know, having him in that movie. Um, you know, as, as that character. So, yeah, it was kind of like, ah, well, you know, I didn't want to see him go. But I love the fact that now, even though they're nine points up in the ratings, Damon is so desperate now that he has to reach out to Captain Freedom to go jump back into the game. <laughs> and, holy shit. The fucking costume that they put on Jesse's Ventura. I'm like, what is this? Like, it was just this whole fucking, like, tinfoil metal makeup of knives. And he comes cropping into the scene. I'm not wearing this shit. I'm like, yeah, no, you shouldn't. It looks horrible. <laughs> he couldn't even bend his oh. fucking arm and shit. <laughs> yeah, well, considering, too, that we saw him earlier, you know, and we saw the picture of him 
when he was, you know, I guess the, like I said, it's the only time Jesse ever had a title. Um, <laughs> yeah. One time. With the championship belt of some sort. And, yeah, he just he looked like an American gladiator. You know, that's all it was. And, and yeah, mm-hmm. so to see him come out with all this, like, robotic gear and everything, like, I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to see a showdown, especially after he goes on and on about this whole, you know, it was about honor and it was about respect. Yeah. Like, I wanted to see him rip that gear off and say, I'll do this with my bare hands and actually have that fight. Which he mm-hmm. said he would. Like, he said he would go bare home. Like, he would go bare-fisted. But they wanted to suit him up in his weird fucking outfit. And that's when he quits. And that's when, again, I liked how this movie handles it. Because they're saying he quit, that's fine. We have his image from the workout tapes. We'll just fucking falsify everything and make it seem like he's going to kill Ben and Amber in the game. And I thought they handled it really well. The whole digital face, you know, thing that they had on the computers. And it looked real. It looked like he actually did it. And I was like, see, look at that. Like, I love that aspect of the game, that they can make and, you believe whatever they think that you want to believe. Well, plus now, with the technology that we have in 2019, look at what we're doing. We're actually taking dead people and putting them back into movies now. That's right. We, ha- we do have the technology. They're not looking now. real. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I look Pri- at it, and it's like, what about it's Princess- one step okay, above about- jib-jab, bro. Okay. What? Okay. What about Star Wars with Grandma Tarkin and Princess Leia? Yeah. No? Was it nice to see him done that way? He still looked fake. You know, like mm-hmm. that's the thing. There's still there's no life in their eyes, and that is just the one thing that they just cannot get right, and they know it. You know, that is developer nightmare yeah, right there. Something. But that's something that in just a short time from now that they are gonna get. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and not even that all CGI now is is great. But when you look at like early CGI compared to CGI now, they're gonna have that figured out. Uh, you know, it's possible that sometime in uh, in the not too distant future, you're gonna see you're gonna see like movies where uh, you don't just have like brief glimpses of. Uh, a deceased actor like Grand Moff Tarkin, or like when they did uh, Young Princess Leia, you might see you might see dead actors like starring in, in complete movies again. Yeah, I, what's I terrible agree. about that is is that you're seeing uh, somebody that's dead in their performance, which means <laughs> somebody else that is alive had to record those lines and do that performance. So yeah. is yeah, there going to be a dead actors that. union? <laughs> they do that. Yeah, well, they're going to figure it out because it's happening, in, it's happening in music right now. Several years ago at the Coachella Music Festival, they had the, the, uh, the hologram of uh, Tupac, Tupac come out in yep. a court yeah. for like a segment during someone else's performance. But I don't know if you're aware of this, but right now, uh, in 2019, there's a full world tour happening with a Roy Orbison hologram. Uh, later this year, there's going to be a full global world tour with a Ronnie James Dio hologram. And I think oh. later this year or next year, there's going to be a full world tour with an Amy Winehouse hologram. So this year no, is happening. Yeah, no but, they're playing recorded, but they're playing pre-recorded, pre-recorded music already. Well, pre-recorded yeah. vocals with a with a live band. Okay, so still it's still pre-recorded vocals with a live yeah. band. 
So <laughs> yeah. it's a world of difference but, between seeing something that you know is not real and like I said, it's like there's certain things with CGI that they just can't get at all. And I don't know if, no matter how much the technology gets, to the point where, yes, skin texture looks more real, hair texture looks more real, their hands, their fingers, all of that stuff looks more real. But the human, like they've always said, you know, the, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul. That is yeah. the one thing I don't think they're ever going to be able to get right because you just can't show life in fake eyes. Yeah, um, I agree with that point. Um, but yeah, in this movie, talking about the context, you know, they could fake the death of Amber and Ben while they actually watch it on the TV with the resistance, you know, where it's like, well, that didn't happen. It's like, well, fuck no, it didn't happen. You know, but they have to end the game somehow. You have to end it. So Ben is the one that gets killed and Amber gets killed. So you have Captain Freedom being the winning stalker, (laughs) but it's not the same. They have the footage of... Ben actually showing what happened at the beginning of the movie with the Bakersfield Massacre that showed to the people. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, oh, shit, they lied to us? Fuck. Like, no, I don't, you know, this is crazy. Like, we're seeing the truth? He was in this the entire time? <laughs> you know, the crowd was just awesome, you know, in that final sequence. Yeah, when but they, I they were also the- already with Ben at that point anyway. You yeah, know, they were cheering for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think the fact that they actually showed the truth kind of led them even more into Ben's favor, um, you know, with, with having that actual footage showing you what happened. Yeah. You know, before yeah. they were like, you know, he's bloodthirsty, he's killing a lot of people, I got my money on him, but now I know he's innocent, now I'm even more in his corner, which leads to the resistance taking over ISCS Studios. And because it's the 80s, we got to have a gunfight. <laughs> Of course. You have to. to Gunfight. Things blowing up that have no business blowing up. Like, you. Like, okay. Men jumping off a trampoline. I I guess whatever uh, fireballs tanks had in them, you know, would be highly (laughs) flammable and all that. But it literally blew the entire fucking room up. Um, Yeah. You know, which was great. Uh, and then, yeah, there's a certain exploding vehicle and sign that comes up later, too. That's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. There was problems I had with the ending of this movie. Um, not the fact that Ben exonerates himself. I mean, I was fine with that. It's the fact that you have the end sequence with him facing off against Damon, where he's basically saying, well, I, you know, Damon's saying, I did it for live TV. It's reality, man. Like, people eat this shit up. Like, you got to understand why I did it. You know, it's ratings. And he's like, I don't give a shit about your ratings. No, it's the but fact it, that they had, and I'll get to you, Monkey. Yeah. You have the one guard that's been protecting him the entire time, Damon. Sven. This big fucking guy. I wanted the fucking reveal to be that that was Ben's brother. That's, yeah. that's LaFour's, man. Yeah, it is from Morats, I know. It's motherfucking LaFour's, the best security guard in the business. You don't know who LaFour's is? <laughs> but it was the fact that I wanted him to be Ben's brother. To have that reveal uh-huh. of, like, I've been working with you the entire time. We know each other. We're brothers. And he didn't do it. He goes, I guess I'll just go off and do steroids. Because that's what you said we do. I'm like, no. Yeah. And, and especially when we hear an accent. 
It's like, mm-hmm. seriously, you're going to come up with that accent and it's not going to be his brother? It's like, <laughs> but yeah, no. Did you guys think the same thing? Like, Ghoul, Doc, that that could have been his brother? And I would have I would have been fine with it? Now that you say it, it probably would have been fun, but I didn't think of it at the time. No. Oh, why? Yeah, I'm with the, that's not something that I thought about. That's not something that really crossed my mind. It would have been fun just to have that little kind of send-off of, like, yeah, I've been working with him the entire time. I'm his brother. There was no re-education. You know, I'm helping him get out of here. But instead, you have him kind of go off so he can get Damon into the cage and send him on his way, which was great. The fact that you know there's no capture cage for that particular sled, so he's just going to go going off into that sign for Cadre Cola. That's the big send-off for Damon. Kaboom. Kablooey. Yeah, it was fantastic. Loved it. What I didn't love is the fact that they had to give him a love interest. I don't think it was earned. The fact that Amber has this moment where you have this fucking rocking 80s ballad playing in the background. and That's she not like it belongs hey. in a Von Damm movie. <laughs> it's just... I don't know. I, I don't feel like that I was earned the whole Amber he needs to come. love interesting. He needs to come because he is Arnold and he's coming all the time. Did you feel like um, that was something that Arnold probably said that has to be in his contract? Like I have to make out with this chick at the end of the movie? Because that's what no, I think it's I think it's typical Hollywood and movies. You know, that's all it is. Yeah, yeah. You need a you need a male, you need a female, you need love. Yeah. And he's a climactic at the end. Ha ha, climactic. <laughs> plus, he, plus, he has to find out where she kept the uh, information tape. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah. The yeah, fact that he's standing there on that stage after he lets Damon go, and he's just like, hey, what's going on, girl? You want to make out? Like, you know, she's like, yes, I do. I'm like, no, stop it. <laughs> this isn't welcome. In this movie, I don't need to see the love interest at the end of this movie. Like, why can't you just be you? (laughs) And besides, it seemed even more uncomfortable because after they kiss and then they walk away, he puts his hand on the back of her neck the exact same way they were walking together through the airport when she was his hot. Yes, he does. (laughs) Because I'll break it. Just remember, baby, I can I can snap your neck like a chicken. (laughs) So she's going to be hostage for the rest of her life Dealing with Ben being her boyfriend Because that's the way it ends Where the fuck was Captain Freedom? I wish he would come up at the end You know, shaking the guy's hand And like, you were a true warrior You want to be a part of my workout videos? (laughs) (laughs) No, what what would have made sense Would be that he was killed You know, which is what I assumed happened to him is that right? You think that he got killed? I think basically Killian was eliminating anybody that wasn't going with what, you know, he wanted, so. That's a good thing to think about because he didn't really put up a fight when he said, I don't want to be a part of this. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm out of here. I don't want to wear this stupid fucking costume. He didn't, like, say, yeah, all right, kill him. Like, you know, get him out of the way. He just let him go. So I don't know if Captain Freedom's dead. I think he might have just walked out. We might come back for a sequel. Yeah. If only, I would love to see a Captain Freedom sequel. The Running Men. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is Captain Freedom, Running Man 2. You ready for the pain and punishment? Oh, yeah. Hey! And, and he becomes the new host. <laughs> that would be awesome. I would be on board for that. Naked American Gladiator style. Or it's actually I fair. I don't know if it would work, man, because have you seen him lately? <laughs> I have. Yeah, he's aging into an old woman very rapidly. <laughs> I know. Poor Jesse. You know, so much power back in the 80s, but now he's just looking like an old woman with a chicken neck. Yeah. Still bad. But do you wish that you guys had a version of the Running Man game at home? Because it seemed like they were pumping that shit out during that movie. I was like, what the fuck does the Running Man board game at home look like? The home game. Well, I know they released uh, a video game for it, I guess on the PC or something. I don't know. I never I never had a chance to play it. I didn't have a computer, so. Yeah, I heard they released one back in the 80s on Commodore 64, which I never had. And I know, like, you were oh, on a PC. I had one. <laughs> I, I mean, that they really did. Just, I mean, they did have, like we had said, American Gladiators, but they also had a uh, game that came out in PS2 a couple years ago. Well, I'm not, not a couple years ago, but a long time ago, called Manhunt. I don't know if you guys ever saw that game. No. Yeah, no, I know that game. I mean, I always think the first game that pops into my head when I think of The Running Man is Smash TV. You know, like absolutely. that is the game that I, that I think is absolutely The Running Man. You know, that that's the idea behind it. People killing each other for fucking games and prizes. Yeah. Yep. Monkey and I talked about that, too, about Smash TV, because it is completely that way. Um, but Manhunt was another one of those games that came out in PS2, very controversial, because you're playing a, a prison convict, killing people in these different quadrants. And every quadrant that you kill, that's closer to the freedom that you get. So that's why I always felt like, you know what, that's like a successor to the running man. Um. But, like I said, as a whole, it's a good movie, but it's, it's not one of those movies where I'm like, this is Arnold at his best. But He's no. done a lot better. And no, even I own it, it now. Terrible. So, it's, it's a go-to-sleep type of movie, so that works for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it's a product of its time, you know? I feel that this is a yeah. movie that, you know, in its time, was highly entertaining, uh, you know, especially, you know, when... That is prime time, uh, you know, Arnold, when Arnold was on the rise and all us little kids were running around thinking that he was just the fucking greatest and his movies were amazing. And for that audience, this movie was excellent. You know, not everything that, not everything is going to hold up over time. And this is one of those, to me, that just doesn't hold up that well yeah. uh, from the time period. I, I would like that. to see them remake this and go more along the lines of what the actual book is. I'd like the to book. see this movie yeah. made to the book's specifications, including its ending, which would be great, you know. Arnold, yeah. well, whoever, you know, Ben Richards on oh, an okay. airplane, flying towards <laughs> the tower, too. giving him the middle finger just as he, well, I guess <laughs> they're not going to fucking show that. Let me take that back. You ain't going to get that no. in the movie these days. No. Too much, you know. And that's why I said, I mean, the entire movie... I kept thinking about Rainier Wolfcastle from The Simpsons and Radioactive Man. Like, look out, Radioactive Man. I will not go. Like, I'm like yeah, that's his acting level in this movie. <laughs> radioactive Man, Rainier Wolfcastle type of acting. You know, and it's not like you expect that much out of Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he's done better. <laughs> you know, 
That's what I kept saying throughout this movie. I was like, he's done better. Like he's great in Predator. He's great in Commando. He's a kindergarten cop and last action hero. What happened with this movie? <laughs> well, all he had to do in Command, all he had to do in Predator, was flex his muscles, drop a couple of lines, and fuck with an alien. The alien is the star of Predator. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, as far as Commando like, goes, that's just. He's not acting in commando. He's just flexing his muscles and killing people, <laughs> which is perfect. Yeah. Picking up logs and shooting people. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know, is perfected. It's so good, as commando. And I, like I said, I, I feel like he's better than this movie. It's good if you just want a good, like you like to go into the sleep movie. Put it on. You know, you can go to sleep to it. But it's not Arnold at his best. Like he's done better than Running Man. Like, I feel like, because even he has said, like I said, back in 2015, he did an interview where he's like, yeah, the movie wasn't that great. (laughs) Paul Michael Glazer, TV Starsky, didn't know the movie that he was directing. And it shows. Like the doc had said, there's a lot of flaws in this movie. And I think the direction shows it. That he didn't know the kind of movie he was directing. He wanted to make it a game show movie when there was a lot of other things that he could have been focusing on. Somebody told him, listen, you know, Stephen King's hot right now. We've got something that is, uh, was, uh, was he outed yet at this point as, uh, as Bachman? Yeah, I don't think so. Did that not happen until a year later? I think that happened in 88, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the late 80s, I think, is when he got outed as Richard Bachman. Up until that point, he was still Stephen King. Richard Bachman was a different entity. So, I'm not sure. But I want to say it was the late 80s. I know the dark half. That was the whole reason that movie got made. Was because he got outed as Richard Bachman. Mm. You know, they wanted to make that movie. Which is another good one. We might get to it on the show one of these days. But um, next week, I believe it is you, Ghoul, who has the pick. What do you have for us next week? Well, I'm going to go to something. I'm going something current. Um, it's, I don't know, I guess I've heard a lot about it and, you know, I know I've seen it a couple of times on the, uh, the old Netflix and chill. I mean, I've never watched the movie itself. I've just seen the, uh, the preview for it. I'm going to go with, uh, a little clown horror here. I'm going to go with a movie called Terrifier. Oh, okay. I heard a lot of good things about it. I've been, I've been tempted to watch it. I haven't watched it I've been wanting to see this one. I have heard yeah, me too. really fun things about this movie. Yeah, I am sure hoping it. so. Yeah, because all the podcasts that I listen to, all the movie review sites that I pay attention to, all have high things to say about Terrifier. So I'm kind of looking forward to seeing if it could pass and talking terror muster. So let's see mm-hmm. next week. We'll see you next week. All right, so Doc... Thank you once again for joining us. Bunker down the hatches. Stay safe during yeah. the storm. I do want to say real quick, uh, the the when you asked me that question, uh, that you guys didn't hear me. I'm sitting here yapping away with my response. Uh, the 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 ghoul had messaged me to put my microphone on mute when I wasn't speaking because the rain sounded loud. So I was yapping away and I was on mute that in that moment. Oh, I hate when that happens. I've had that happen to me too, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, we've all dropped out. 
All right. So thank you so much for uh, joining us, Doc, tonight. We'll see you next week, hopefully, for Terrifier. Okay, bye. <laughs> As he always does. All right, so, Mucky, sign yourself off. All right, boys and girls at home, thanks for listening to Talking Terror tonight. I see your lovely furry little Simeon sex pot. <laughs> and Monkey saying thanks for listening and let me come in your ear. Good night, everybody. <laughs> All right. All right. It's down to you and me, Ghoul. Why don't you hit us with a plug? Whoa. Again, I got I got I got two for it, you know. The uh one from earlier today, like I said, go to theaterofterror.net and pick yourself up a copy of the new Theater of Terror anthology. That is T H E A T R E Theater of Terror. Um, while you're there too, pick up faces and you know, any other one of Tom Ryan's movies, man. You know, he's a good well, guy please. and you know, he uh he makes some fun stuff. Uh besides that, uh as always, you know, listen, Valentine's Day is around the corner and you know, I know how bad you really want to go to the sex store and you wanna buy your girlfriend oh, yeah. a big fucking dildo. Maybe a pair Black of handcuffs, all the way. maybe a fucking a swatter. You know, something to, to spank her fucking little ass with. Now, that is good. And I don't disagree with any of those ideas. But you should also balance that out with a piece of jewelry from Bonfire Bead Designs. All one word on Etsy. She's got all kinds of fancy stuff on there. She's making shit daily. Um, she's got all kinds of new things up there now. And she is just plugging away at this stuff. So, again... Bonfire Bead Designs on Etsy, one word, B-O-N-F-I-R-E, Bead Designs, all on Etsy. Enjoy. So amazing. So, yeah, you don't need to get a sex so toy. Amazing. Get it some nice no fucking jewelry. Body nice jewelry. Necklaces, bracelets, rings. Yeah. No dildos. She's doing some amazing work. And I've seen like some it. of the stuff that she's been posting on the Facebook page that she has, it's really kind of fucking cool, guys. You're going to want to check it out. Buy something for that significant other in your life for Valentine's Day, for fucking whatever day, man. Like, you know, just have fun with it. You know, you don't <laughs> she need to this one piece, man. You can get one anytime. She made this one piece. It's a necklace, man. It's got a, uh, like a real human molar in it, man. It's fucking really, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of fucking gross. But at the same I time, that. it's just so creepy. Yeah, see, that's the shit I'd be after. Now, get, give me that one with the human molar in it, please. Thank you. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I want it because the human molar. <laughs> that's the type of guy I am. Um, so, again, check them out. you got to buy some stuff from her. She does amazing work. Uh, Ghoul, why don't you sign off, as you always do? Stay scared. Stay scared, as always. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of R&DG saying, have fun this weekend, drink some beers, have some fun. We'll see you back here next week for Terrifier, Kick America Strong, watch horror movies. Thanks so much for listening. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.